Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Thank you for tuning in to our Super Bowl show. Uh, this is really exciting because no one knows these rosters quite like those of us who have covered these players in college and we're also not uh, you know, living under a rock or neglectful of the National Football League. Uh, and certainly my my. Uh, co-hosts here are very, very involved as they help provide the CBS Sports coverage of the Super Bowl uh, from the picks angles, from CBS Sports HQ angle. Danny is in Tampa. It's not quite the Riverwalk experience that I, I imagine it could have been on another timeline. How, how are you enjoying? How are you feeling? It's Thursday uh, as we record this, midday. How are you feeling uh, at this point in the Super Bowl week? Okay. It's, uh, it's different. Uh, and if anybody's watching, you can see where I am. This is my hotel room. There is a nice view of the water out there, but it does feel kind of like a jail cell at the same time. And that's basically what I have been is kind of trapped in my room the entire time. CBS has been super strict and you understand it because of the, you know, what's at stake. There's billions of dollars at stake to pull off this Super Bowl for the broadcast. They don't want anybody testing positive. So I'm talking work all day. And then as soon as like I'm off the set at seven, I come back to my room, I order Grubhub and I've either been watching college hoops or binge watching some show. And that's it. Like I, I it's just, I should actually, I don't want to show you guys, but if you saw the pile of empty <laughs> cartons from the Grubhub, like leftovers, like are you 23? It looks yeah, like you're early it's dorm room. <laughs> I'm tempted to show you guys, but it's pretty gross. I don't know. I don't know if I should show anybody, but unless we want to drive the viewers to YouTube, we can check them out. Uh, yeah. YouTube. YouTube.com slash cover three. If you want to see, you know what it's like, it is cool. Cause I'm actually doing this show with Sirius. It's a Super Bowl radio channel. And so like I literally 10 minutes ago was arguing with Charles Haley and Ronnie Lott about Tom Brady being the goat or not. Cause I thought it was a layup. Like I'm like, everyone acknowledges that Brady's the goat. Right. And so I was going to ask them if he was not only the goat of quarterbacks, but the greatest player of all time. And I was expecting some pushback on Jerry Rice or something else. And before I could even, I was like, are you guys comfortable with the goat conversation? And they, Charles Haley was like, no. And Ronnie Light was like, uh-uh. They're like, we're not going there yet. And so it was kind of interesting to see that dynamic unfold. They were taken up for their guy, Joe Montana, but it was interesting. Like, so it's, it's really cool. Like to be here 
The only thing is like everything's virtual. Like normally it's a great photo op for Instagram for the gram, but I'm grabbing like screen grabs and sometimes they're blurry and like frozen in the wrong position. So it's not quite as effective. You're doing screen grabs of zoom for like <laughs> to make up for the radio row selfies that you would, would yes. be getting in a normal year. Absolutely. Whatever you got to do for the gram. <laughs> Those guys have some rings on their fingers, thanks to Joe Montana. So it's going to be difficult to convince them that he's not the greatest of all time. Of course. And I didn't, I, I expected a little, they were pretty vehement about it. Like they, it was almost like it could be bulletin board material for Brady. It was that disrespectful. They were like, oh, he's accumulated. If, if everybody played 19, 20 years, they'd have this many too. And I was kind of like, it's still kind of hard to play in 10 Super Bowls. You know, like it's still kind of a big deal. Yeah, it was, I, I just read a book not too long ago called Best of Rivals, and it is about the 49ers during that era when they had both Montana and Steve Young. And it was like a behind-the-scenes kind of look of how that those teams worked. And it's funny because I, you grow up realizing, you know, Joe Montana was great and the whole narrative of Joe Montana is great. But you're like reading that book and you're, go, you're, you're going through some of the games that Joe Montana had, and it's like, I don't remember Tom Brady having that many bad games in the playoffs. <laughs> like, what, like 14 for 25 passing kind of stuff? Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I, I understand Joe Montana is one of the all-time greats. He was definitely, of his era, the best quarterback or one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the NFL at that time. But if we're looking at the whole picture, like you said, they said it's too early. I don't think it's too early because Tom's 43. I don't, I think we've got a pretty large, like Tom Brady's first Super Bowl was when I was in college. So like he's been playing that long and he's been to that many more Super Bowls since, and he's won as many as he's won and he might win another one. I don't, what's annoyed me more than anything is since like the Super Bowl matchup was figured out when we knew it was going to be the chiefs and the bucks, like people started talking about Patrick Mahomes already being like in the greatest of all time conversation. I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. He's awesome. But like, can we let him turn 27 before we start trying to figure <laughs> no, out if he's the greatest can't. to ever play the game? Like he's all, he's won one Super Bowl and he's awesome, but he should probably have to win two before we start comparing him to the guy who he's playing in the game who has like seven or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's this always one, a fun convo. But like, this is one thing that annoys me in today's industry. Like what we do, we give opinions for a living is everyone has to say how great or bad somebody is with the most emphatic tone possible so that their voice sticks out, right? Like I was, <laughs> I don't like dropping all these name drops and stuff. Oh, I, I love it. Certain <laughs> other show with a guy, I'll just tell you, it was FS1. It was first things first and it was Nick Wright. And he, right after the Super Bowl, he was like, he, Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback of all time. Like he's going to take down Tom Brady. And I'm like, exactly like Tom's reaction. Like, can we just slow down? And I get he's a fan and Patrick Mahomes is awesome, but we need to slow down a little bit with the goat baby goat conversation yet. He's still a so baby. Isn't, isn't Nick from Kansas city? Yes, he is. He's a huge, he's a huge Chiefs fan. He's huge Mahomes fan. And you know what? That take is entertaining, right? And if it's an entertainment product, then like, absolutely. Well, all right. We're going to give our Super Bowl locks here by the end of the show because we can. Locks are our thing. And it is the game that everyone is going to be dialed into. Uh, Before we get into specifically the the schools that are most what represented sort of our memories and sort whether we are surprised by some of these players the way that they've developed at the professional level right there i i cannot claim to have tom brady michigan takes 
I, I don't even know if I can go back and, and feel good from like a historical perspective to have Tom Brady Michigan takes. Tom, you said you were in college for the first Super Bowl. Yeah. Danny, I, like, I, I got I to lean on y'all. I've got Mahomes feelings, you know, and, and I think that goes into the GOAT discussion, but everyone makes a big deal over the combine photo, the fact, you know, his draft position. He is uh, certainly representative of the idea that you can improve throughout your career. Uh, what's the, you know, what were the inklings or was there any signs that this is going to be a successful professional, somebody who was going to stick in the NFL uh, when Tom Brady was at Michigan? I mean, Tom, Tom had a good career at Michigan, but if, I'm trying to remember because I was in high school at that time or even younger because he's a few years older than me still. But wasn't he competing with Drew Henson for like the starting job? at mm -hmm. the time because i remember tom it's like they won they won conference titles i think they went to rose bowls and did they was was tom brady on that 97 national no that was uh greasy, Brian greasy. yeah that was greasy but i mean tom won plenty of games at michigan it was just he wasn't like you know he was the michigan quarterback but he wasn't somebody that was sitting there like you know super heisman trophy contender one of the best players in the country he was fighting off drew henson who had come back from playing baseball for the starting job. And I remember that there was kind of like a somewhat of, and I might be wrong here, but wasn't there like a QB carousel kind of situation going on at the time with the two of them? Yes. They were playing both quarterbacks for mm -hmm. sure. I, you know, it's interesting because I've now I cover college football for a living. So that's all I do is watch when I was actually playing in the NFL was when Brady was at Michigan. And I hardly, I like once I was in the NFL, I didn't care about college football anymore. Like I'd watch Florida state, but I wasn't, dialed into the quarterback competition that was taking place in Michigan, right? Like I got the only games really I watched were Florida state. And the reason was because there's a standing bet in every NFL locker room. When your team plays somebody else's team, there's a hundred dollar bet on it. So basically every Sunday I'd come in and just collect around the locker room. Like, Oh, whoever you play this week, give me my hundred, give me my hundred. And it was like easy money that was spending around there. So those were the only games I watched. So I don't, remember much of Tom Brady in his Michigan career. And it wasn't, there wouldn't be a real reason to either because it wasn't illustrious and there was a, like it was good, but it wasn't great by any means. Michigan is tied with LSU for the most players on these uh, Super Bowl rosters. Michigan has seven players. LSU has seven players. Tom Brady, as we mentioned, absolutely from another era. But the rest of that group, does that fall into this idea that, uh, not this idea, but you know, Michigan has had good football teams. The, you know, what's happened against Ohio State has certainly colored the way that we look at Jim Harbaugh's tenure, but Michigan has continued to put players in the NFL draft. They've continued to be able to be, they, they just, they just landed another top 10 recruiting class. And I was going back and I'm, he, Jim Harbaugh's brought in top 10 recruiting classes more often than not to Ann Arbor. Does it come with a little shade of underperformance? Like, does it get to add on to that? You know, we got a bunch of players in the NFL, but we have not been able to reach these goals. Like when a Michigan fan sees that Michigan has seven players on these rosters, you know, an LSU fan at least gets to point to one natty, even if I, I don't think outside of Clyde Edwards, Elayer, they might, that just might be standard, you know, LSU talent production as well. But for, uh, for those Wolverines fans looking at that, does that come with a little bit of cut in both ways? Yes, yeah, so no, because I, I think that like that stat is like really awesome for recruiting graphics 
to put out on like Twitter and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. On but, the Super Bowl Sunday where you just show all the players and it's like mm-hmm. tied for the most. Yes, 100%. Barton Simmons like, is uh, drawing one up right now for, for sure. For Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, it's a situation where it's like they have seven players, but what positions were they? Because like if five of them are offensive linemen, don't get me wrong, it's great to be producing NFL offensive linemen, but you're not going to win you know, the big 10 just by having a great offensive line. And I think Michigan's problem is like, if we look at Jim Harbaugh, there's, well, there's two problems. I think one is that, yes, he's been putting together top 10 classes and a lot of that elite talent has been pushed into the NFL and it's been developed. It's just, it's been at different positions, but that aren't the quarterback. I think that Michigan hasn't been able to land that top 10 class kind of QB to push them over the top. And I think as we talked about in recent years too, they didn't have the right offense for it that or the offense that you need. And they kind of, you know, they've started to go in that direction, but they're still making that transition. So we, we can't really be sure there. So it's, yeah, it's when you see those kind of stats, that's the first things I think it's like, Hey, that's awesome. But at the same time, if you go down the list, Alabama's only got two players on these two teams. Yeah. Does that mean Alabama has not been successful? Overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Overrated. Well, it, it just goes to show that Nick Saban can get you to the NFL, but once he's there, he doesn't have success there. So neither will you. That's <laughs> I, this is all it's for recruiting and it's for bulletin, but like it's for trash talk and chat rooms and online and social media and those type of places. I think, I mean, the two, you know, quarterbacks that are obviously are, are Brady and, and Chad Henney, like one's the greatest of all time. One's a backup. Like, what do you do with that information? Neither one played for Harbaugh. They're so far removed from their tenure there. Like, does it really matter? No, but I think it's great for fodder for those types of conversations. Like I want to craft a tweet. And it's going to say something about, hey, the Big Ten owns the Super Bowl or something just to try to troll the SEC. Like, and that's a great one. I didn't like, where's Bama? And do a little hashtag overrated. Bring out Twitter, Danny, to get him riled up here in the offseason. But I don't read too much into these. FAU has more than Bama. If you want the like the really good comparison, uh, yeah, yeah, the Big Ten, you've got uh, Michigan with seven, Iowa with four, Penn State with four, uh, FAU with three, Michigan State with three, Minnesota with three. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a great list. Of uh, of schools that have more than Bama, if F- FAU if, has if, more than Bama, that's my tweet. I'm signing it out as we speak. If SEC fans want to troll, conversely, if we break it down by conference, the SEC has 32 players in this game. The second conference is the Big Ten, which has 22, but. FCS division or lower has 30. So FCS and lower divisions have more players in this game than the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, everybody except the SEC. Love it. Which Uh, goes to show that there is no direct route to the NFL. And also, once you get there, it's really not as much about where you were drafted from as far as where you're playing and who you're playing with and for. So um, while... Tom and I were not yet uh, professionals while Danny was a professional in the NFL and and not as dialed in. We've all been here for the Patrick Mahomes era. We got to see it explode. We got to see his production at Texas Tech. He was a three-star recruit coming in. And if I remember correctly, um, you know, much like a a Kyler Murray, there, there was kind of talk that this, he might end up just being a baseball player, you know, real, really good baseball player. I wasn't really sure which way it was going to break for him. Obviously, a wildly, uh, wildly productive with the Red Raiders. A lot of fun to watch, especially within that system, which brings about if you could take yourself back to us covering Patrick Mahomes as a college player, did you see it or were you blinded by the system? 
I didn't see this. I, I, I saw a kid at Texas Tech who had a really big arm, but yes, there was, whether conscious or not, there was a part of you when you saw all those Texas Tech quarterbacks or quarterbacks in that system at other places come through and put up eye-popping numbers that you kind of just got you know immune to it. You didn't really think of too much of it. You Just watching him play, it's like, oh, wow, this... This kid can throw a ball like 70 yards. Because he came after Baker had his explosion as a walk-on, and Davis Webb was after that. I mean, we were fully in the throes of Texas Tech uh, being a a give-up 50 points, hope-you-score-51-points kind of world uh, at that time in Lubbock. Yeah, and I think as talented as Mahomes is and as good as he is, I think you can't overlook the fact that in the NFL, he is in an absolute perfect situation that is perfectly tailored and suited to his abilities. And I think that the Chiefs have been very smart in the way they do it. Because first of all, they have a coach in Andy Reid who is very smart and knows how to put together offenses. And if you go through Andy Reid's coaching career, everywhere he's been, he's had a good quarterback. And I don't think that's just a coincidence. I think he knows how to coach quarterbacks, and I think he knows how to call plays and call plays that are suited to them. And if you look at this Kansas City offense, essentially what you have is you have a talented quarterback who's mobile with a rocket arm and an accurate arm down the field. So what do you do? You surround him with a bunch of wide receivers who all run like four two forties, have them running nothing but vertical routes to stretch the defense. And then you have one of those guys, sometimes Tyreek Hill, sometimes somebody else and Travis Kelsey underneath where there's all this open space. So either the receiver has beaten his man if he's in man coverage and Patrick Mahomes just throws the ball 70 yards in the air and allows the kid to run under it for a touchdown or Kelsey and, or somebody else are wide open underneath. And then you throw to Kelsey, who's usually covered by somebody who can't cover him because he's a freak athlete himself who makes a catch of 10 yards and then picks up another 15 yards after the catch. It's pretty much unstoppable. And it's the perfect complement of quarterback talent, quarterback skill and offense that has just elevated him to an incredible level. I was on the wrong side of the Patrick Mahomes takes not horribly wrong. I just was indifferent. I was like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be great. I don't. I'm, I was surprised by the pick. Probably where I was most wrong was when Andy Reid traded Alex Smith away and was going all in on Patrick Mahomes. Like in the draft, I was like, okay, he's probably slotted right. Like whatever. Like I just didn't have a strong opinion one way or another. But when Andy Reid traded away Alex Smith to Washington, I was like, oh, this could be a mistake. Like Alex Smith gets you to the playoffs. He wins you games. He's consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get. And you're going to bench this. You're going to trade away this guy based off of one game that we've seen from Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, you're crazy. I'm like, Andy Reid just put his job on the line. And I remember saying that. I think it might have been on HQ at the time. I don't, but I, I was definitely surprised by that move and could not have been more wrong about it. But that's when, you know, they had him in camp. They had him in the regular season. They got to know somebody. They saw him at practice every single day. But even still, it still takes a massive pair to do that move from Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And and to their credit, like it was this massive gamble and it paid off bigger than maybe any gamble in the history of the NFL to make that move. Because Alex Smith, and there was a debate about Alex Smith, like how good is he? You know, in in I understood that, but I still think it was incredibly risky to just completely move on for him and go all in on Patrick Mahomes. 
Yeah, and even if we go back to when Mahomes was just originally coming out of college in that draft, there's been so much revisionist history about that draft, and I could speak to it as a Chicagoan and a fan of a team who drafted Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> in that draft, the debate, if you talk to, like, the NFL draft Knicks and the guys, you know, like the, the quarterback gurus and the scouts and all those guys, the debate was between Trubisky and Watson. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look, very few people had Mahomes as like, oh, no, this is the number one quarterback in the class. Like most people saw him as an interesting prospect and somebody who was likely going to go in the first round. But nobody had him as like one of the top two QBs. It was either Watson or Trubisky. And most people had Trubisky, number one, which is where I was like, are you kidding me? Deshaun Watson's far better than Trubisky. But so to see him get drafted where he was and then go on to have the career that he's having was even more of a surprise. But now we're in that situation where since Mahomes is great, there's a whole lot of people who are like, yeah, I knew it all along. But most of us didn't. Okay, well, then there's there's the next part, which also goes into the sort of ties him to the Tom Brady discussion. How much do you think can of his success here in 2021 can also be attributed to Patrick Mahomes? Like you mentioned, can we let the man turn 27 before we start like entrenching his position within the larger pro football and football community? Like what's you mentioned the the credit, some of this credit does go to Andy Reed, but do you think that there has been market improvement from Mahomes as a, as a playmaker or like, and where do you see it? I think that the the thing that's probably helped Mahomes more than anything, because you know, he grew up, his dad was a baseball player. He played baseball growing up as well. He played a little baseball, Texas Tech too, although if, I think it was Roger Sherman who tweeted his stats. If you go look at his stats from his time at Texas Tech, it's both a hitter and a pitcher. Not great. But I think more than anything is he was able to devote his whole time to being a quarterback. It became his job. It became what he did for a living. And I just think that he's already he's always been naturally talented. He's always had gifts. He's always been smart. Like, I mean, you look at the the air raid offense. It's not the most complex offense in the world, but there are reads. And you can see it in the time at Texas Tech. Like, he wasn't just a one-read-or-go kind of quarterback. He would progress through reads. So you kind of saw that from him. But he's just gotten smarter, and he's made it his career, and he's devoted himself to being a quarterback, and he's gotten better as a quarterback while doing it. So you just combine his more advanced intellect mastery of the position and the job with the gifts that he has – and yeah, he's gotten a lot better. But then again, you put it in with a very good coach and a very, very good coaching staff, a very good system around him. And this is what you get. And that's why you need to have all of these things if you're going to be, you know, a team competing for Super Bowl titles on an annual basis. And I feel like the Chiefs are going to be like that kind of team that as long as they have Mahomes, Reed, Bienemy, whatever they want, at, you know, in that kind of order they're probably going to be in an AFC championship game. Kind of like they're going to be the new Patriots and that they're in the AFC championship game, like every single season. It does feel like not only is there a passing of the torch from Brady to Mahomes, kind of the older guy, the face of the league to the younger guy. It does feel, I agree with you, Tom. I think there might be a new dynasty in the making. They got to win two first. Right. But I still think they'll be the best team in the AFC. And I also think we really are scratching the surface of what Mahomes can be. Through his first couple of years, he's thriving on a system and he's thriving on his natural talents and the great play design that's there. But I don't, I think most quarterbacks, you know, it takes them five and six years in the NFL to kind of, you know, they use that term, the game slows down to really, really start looking at the other side of the ball. Like your first few years 
are really mastering your offense, like the in the nuances of, all right, where am I going to go here? What are my checks? What are my audibles? Let me get deeper in my reads. But then I feel like the biggest difference when you get older is you start understanding what the defenses are throwing at you and why you're calling certain plays. And the mastery of what you're talking about will only get better. I mean, I remember last year before the Super Bowl, before they won last year, Mahomes was like, oh, I'm much more comfortable in our in our system. I feel way better than I did when I threw 50 touchdowns the year before. And then he said the exact same thing this past week. He's like, I feel even better. I'm reading defenses better. The more he plays, the more defenses he sees, it's like you're just gaining more and more knowledge. You're taking more classes, like you're getting your – your degree, then you're getting your master's degree, then you're getting your doctorate. And, you know, he's just keeps gaining more knowledge. I think really the only thing, because he does have all his talent, is going to be injuries, health. He has been banged up some early. You know, he missed a few games last year. He had the turf toe this year, was knocked out of the playoffs when Chad Henney had to come in. Uh, you know, he had the concussion. I That's the only thing I would think that would prevent him from kind of excelling and just breaking every record in the league. And that's a huge part of being one of the greatest of all time. I mean, you do have to stay healthy. I mean, Brett Favre had an incredible run of starts. Peyton Manning was incredible. Uh, Tom Brady, like you have to stay healthy to be considered in that. So that would, that's really my only concern with him. As we zoom out from uh, the quarterbacks and continue to look at this kind of through our college lens, I want to know, like some of these haven't been surprises. Like, uh, Tyron Matthew. Oh, he's a superstar. Could have, could have told you that, you know, and Dama Kung Su was a, a Heisman trophy finalist. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, not surprising at all based on, I would even argue that like Devin white was a superstar. Mike Evans was a superstar. Either players who have surprised you a player or players. I mean, I'll let you take it however you want to you know, either where it's been a disconnect where they have be been better than you might have expected based on watching them in the college career or the inverse where maybe you thought that they were going to be something and as it's played out it hasn't quite lived up to I mean obviously they're playing in the Super Bowl they're in the NFL they are very successful within the football community but uh, even just sort of from our eyes as analysts who cover the sport where has there been a, a little bit of a disconnect or a surprise there's one for me that stands out as far as surprises is what I thought they would be and what they have been in the league. And it's unfortunately it's to the it's to the negative side of it. And again, with the caveats that you mentioned that they, they've been in the NFL now for seven seasons, they're playing in the Super Bowl. And to be an NFL player for seven seasons, I don't care where you were drafted or what people thought of you. You've got to be pretty damn good. But I thought Sammy Watkins was going to be amazing. Coming like, out of Clemson. Super superstar. Freshman year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was the Chad Morris offense. Like that was the the everything clicking, Dabo opening up, opening things up, really sort of uh, creating the uh, framework for a system and, and in a, maybe not as much a system or schematics, but an approach that Clemson continues to use absolutely to this day. Yeah, and I thought Sammy was going to go to the NFL and he was going to be like the perennial, you know, 1500 yard per season touch, you know, like 10 touchdowns a year kind of guy. And he kind of started off great. I mean, he had 982 yards his rookie season. Then he was over a thousand yards his second season with Buffalo. 
But since then, you know, there's been injuries, he's missed games, but it's mostly he's become like a third or fourth option on pretty much every offense he's been in. And I look at this Kansas City offense and I talked about, you know, the way that they have it built around. I mean, they've got Terry Kill, they've got McCole Hardman, they've got Watkins, they've got Kelsey. So obviously there's a lot of mouths to feed. It's just he hasn't lived up to what I thought he was going to be, but he's still a very good player. Like I said, he's been in the NFL now for seven years and he's still only 27. So there's wow. still room to grow there. That might be the shock there is that he's only 27 years old. Uh, I remember when I was calling games for ESPN, I used to get a lot of the, you know, the second tier games. So I got a lot of Mac games. I got a lot of American games. And so I actually called a game with Travis Kelsey when he was at Cincinnati and Butch Jones was the coach. And one of the things that I would always ask the coaches is, Hey, who, you know, who on your team is you think is NFL talent. And I remember him telling me about Travis Kelsey. So going into the game, knew we were going to talk a lot about him. He was great, but I just you don't see this type of career coming just all of a sudden like, oh, this is what this is going to be. I mean, he's arguably one of the best tight ends of all time. I remember him standing out, but even as good as he was, I don't think I would have projected this much success. Yeah, I I remember him uh, tearing up Duke in a bowl game with like a 67-yard touchdown on an incredible comeback. Belk Bowl. It's like one of the worst bad beats in the history of bad beats. I'm sure uh, Van Pelt and Stanford Steve have it somewhere like uh, in, in a shrine or something like that. I I got to go with Fournette. And I, again, this is another one where uh, 26 years old, like still a lot of time, but he's a running back. So, you know, we've, we've got a little bit of a different sliding scale, but I believed that he was at a point in college I called him the best football player or the best college football player, any position period. The idea that he was just, cause you know, you would have these reports or sometimes if you're at a game, you'd see him warming up, just throwing like a perfect spiral 30 yards, you know? And of course, when he was in high school, he was flirting with records uh, on the track team. So here we have this track superstar who's just uh, like incredibly physically gifted, six feet, 230 pounds, runs with a, a physical edge, I just, I looked at him, I was like, man, this guy is absolutely incredible. And we remember he gets picked uh, in the top five of the draft. And I was out there on the side of like, worth it, totally worth it. Like, it, don't throw out everything you say about drafting running backs too high. Leonard Fournette is absolutely going to be worth every bit of that. And you get I don't know if I can even say that I've gotten a game. Now, I don't follow the NFL as closely, so maybe y'all can, um, uh, maybe you can correct me on that one. But to me, I feel like I get flashes watching Leonard Fournette where he might have a quarter, might have a series, you know, might might really play well. For, and th- I'm including his time in Jacksonville, not just uh, the last two seasons in, or this season in Tampa Bay. But I, I, I got to say, Leonard Fournette, compared to where I was and as aggressive as I was leading into that draft and after he was selected number four overall, I don't think that one has, uh, has quite panned out as I expected. Yeah, he's had only nine 100-yard rushing games, which was weird because I, I was with you. I mean, I, I was never with you on the draft running backs that early, believe <laughs> but I was with you on thinking that he would be a good running back in the NFL. Another running back too, that kind of surpassed my expectations. This one's going back a little further and he's also not, I don't think he's going to have a huge role in this game. He hasn't had a huge role for the chiefs this year. I did not think Le'Veon Bell was going to be the player that he's been in the NFL, particularly during his time with the Steelers. Like I, I watched a lot of Le'Veon Bell while he was at Michigan state. Cause I watched a lot of Michigan state at the time. And I thought he was a perfectly fine running back. I thought he was going to be like a third down back a guy that has a, a solid role 
in the NFL, but I never thought he was going to be like the the featured back that for a while Pittsburgh was pretty much building its entire offense around him. And I, I, that's one of those guys that's been really good in the league that I just didn't see coming. You know what I thought of because I think it's funny because I don't know. I'm sure you guys saw when he posted he got ripped somewhat was Blaine Gabbert backing up Tom Brady. And they're they're like in the tunnel walking out to the field and he's next to Tom Brady and he's like, we move like assassins in the night. And it's like this badass meme, but you're like, really? Like, you're not really doing that much out there. Like, really? But it was like, and he got ripped for it. But he was somebody I did not see was going to translate in the NFL. I know it's kind of a backup and it's not, and hopefully I'm sure for Bucks fans, they don't want to see him play either. But that was one where I was not surprised by the lack of success in the NFL. Watching Blaine, going back to Blaine Gabbert's Mizzou times, I feel like he's an assassin in the night and that he was going to get one of his receivers killed throwing directly into the safety over and over and over again. Dude, the Blaine Gabbert was huge at Missouri, right? Like that was like, that was, uh, it was him and Daniel was right before him, right? Wasn't Chase Mm -hmm. Daniel before him. And are you talking Mm -hmm. about the offense, the, the weapons that he had? I know. I I just he was one of, one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football. Like coming out of, uh, coming out of that season and going into the NFL draft. Like wasn't he on the cover with Cam Newton? And they were like, "Who's going to be number one?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was. I mean, he was. He's the original Drew Locke to me. He doesn't have quite the arm strength that Drew has, but just as far as accuracy issues, it was like uh, I don't know. Hey. Alpha Nerd, Missouri Sports Information Department. We see you. Shout out to the zoo. There you go. All right. Um, any any other sort of disconnects before we hit the break and then get into our uh, our locks for the game? Yeah, could it again, like there's there are when you play this game, there's a lot of uh, you know like Ronald Jones was awesome at USC. Not surprising that he's a, he's a successful professional. You know, you look at, at the offensive line and you see players like Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith uh, on the defensive line, William Golston. We were talking all conference uh, kind of players. So there's Antoine Winfield, you know, somebody who we just saw recently. Jordan Whitehead was awesome at Pitt. Like there's often it's like, say, oh, go ahead. I would say Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was a very good receiver at Penn State who I thought was going to be a good NFL receiver who has been better than I thought he was going to be. Good on you, Chris Godwin. And your uh, your responsibility has been increased as Antonio Brown's been uh, not if in If you the- want to sign with the Bears on a reasonably priced contract this offseason, remember, I, I said you were good. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, our official Cover three podcast, Super Bowl locks next. The biggest sporting spectacle of the year is nearly upon us. We know everyone loves making their picks, no matter if you're a diehard fan or just tuning in for the The big big game. game. So we think you'll love this opportunity. Enter the CBS Sports Football Props game for your chance to compete for the $1 million jackpot. That's right. $1 million if you correctly answer all the questions and a guaranteed $50,000 to the winner. And you can win all that money. How much do you have to risk? Nothing. It's free 99 to play. Football props. Just visit cbssports.com slash props or download the CBS Sports app to enter. Again, that is cbssports.com slash props. The CBS Sports football props game for the big game. Download the CBS Sports app to enter. We're picking locks. 
My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's locked. Look at these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Barton gets left in it, right? Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. I think we I, I don't know. I think we own that. Like it's, it's a name image. It's a name image and likeness issue. I think that we get to uh, maintain ownership of that. Uh, that's a, I feel like that's that's like leaving a picture of your ex girlfriend around the house. You know, you're never really going to move on if 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 you just keep that picture there. You know, I I recently uh, clipped some some good uh, Danny Locks podcast quotes, and so uh, maybe we'll I'll, I'll do an off season rework of it. We'll 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 get. Be one that says, "Where can I find Vanderbilt? I need a win." <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the one I, the one I've got is very on brain. It's like, okay, here we go. DK two for one special. <laughs> like, okay, uh, so let's see. I, we've I've got a pick on the side, a uh, couple of leans on props. Uh, I, I will throw it to Danny to you first. Um, let's go one at a time and uh, and and let me know. Let's, let's start at your strongest feel can be a prop can be the side uh, can be the total anything you want. So I like the props more than I like the game itself. Um, I like the, I'm just going to throw them all at you. We'll see where we go with this. Um, I like the under probably better than most. I think we get so excited. We talk about, Hey, you know, Mahomes versus Brady It was 57. I'm looking at it now at 56 but I still like it even that high. I just think these defense, I think Tampa Bay's defense has been playing outstanding throughout the playoffs. They, you know, their biggest struggle was against uh, Heineke, who was pretty mobile uh, when they played him in Washington. That was probably their biggest scare. Then they picked off Drew Brees three times, who's a Hall of Famer. And Drew Brees Brees was a shell of himself. That's probably why he's going to retire. But I thought even more impressively was sacking Aaron Rodgers five times, who still is mobile, who does know how to get rid of the ball. And I think they're going to have some success um, slowing down Kansas City's offense. And I've got to think, as much as these offenses are high-powered, that Brady – will dial it down somewhat, try to slow the game down. This is where the experience comes into play, where I think you'll see a game that's probably closer to the first time they played. There was a ton of yardage back and forth, and I think the final was 27-24, which was well under. I think you'd something similar to that. Weather might be a factor. So, And I just think the big game, like the, I think we all want to see a shootout. I think normally that big game principle of, Coaches get more conservative. I know the no risk it, no biscuit, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring. That's probably my favorite of the the main plays. I really liked the Bucks when it was three and a half. Uh, that's where I took it. I took the Bucks getting three and a half at three. Like I'm not quite as confident, so you might want to wait for that one. But I'll still take the Bucks plus three. But I really liked them at plus three and a half. Yeah, I don't. I don't like this. Oh. I'll take it at three. They're counting out touchdown Tom. I don't know if you guys have heard, but they, they're out here counting out touchdown Tom. And I, I don't know. I've seen this movie a lot. And if I get three, if I even get three points, I don't know. I, I like the bucks plus three. If it gets under three, I, and I'm with you, Danny, 
three and a half is, is the smarter play. So as always, uh, shop around and as always, by the but, hook. but by the hook, I mean, do you think that it will, do you think the late charge will be towards the chiefs or the bucks? I don't know. I mean, this is, a, it's an interesting situation because obviously it's the Super Bowl. So there's going to be so much more public action on this game than you would find even in a typical NFL game. But there's not like an obvious public side because there's the Tom Brady on the one side who is Tom Brady, but then it's the defending champions and Patrick Mahomes on the other side. So I don't really see there being like an obvious public side. And I think that's why if you look at the spread, I mean, it's been three, three and a half pretty much since it opened up. It hasn't moved. And I feel like that's probably going to continue being the situation heading into kickoff on Sunday. What I do think could move is where I'm in lock agreement with Danny. I'm on London. This is where the public comes into play because with so much public action, they artificially inflate Super Bowl totals to begin with because that they know where the you know Joe public is going to be hammering because everybody wants points. And if you look at the history of the Super Bowl, because I did, the over is 27 and 26 in Super Bowl history. There was not a total for the first Super Bowl. So that's why there's, you know, there's there's only 53. But of the 27 games to go over, only four of them had a total of 49 and a half or higher. And obviously 49 is a key number because seven times seven, which is the touchdown number, is 49. If you look at when the total has been 49 and a half or higher, the under is eight and four. And if we go to more, modern times in which we've seen higher scoring and more prolific offenses. And just look at the last decade, there have been five Super Bowls with a total of 49 and a half or higher. And the under is four and one in those five games. And that includes last year. So this total at 56, which is eight touchdowns, I understand it's, it's the chiefs offense in Mahomes and it's the bucks, but I think that the bucks looking at this matchup, because the one thing where the chiefs defense is susceptible is in the run game in particular, so I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in the Super Bowl to keep that Chiefs offense off the field because it keeps your defense rested and your defense needs to be rested because it's going against one of the most prolific offenses, not just in the NFL this year, but one of the best offenses you've probably ever seen on an NFL field. So you're going to want to keep that thing off the field and you're going to want to control clock and that is going to lower the scoring. So I really like the under in this game. I think it's about four or five points too high. The... uh idea of running the ball a lot and you mentioned the you know Tom Brady wants to slow things down I think back to the NFC championship game where it just felt like he was just crushing it on third downs right like it was just they kept getting into third downs and then Brady just had the the first down throw I mean, they this is a Bucks offense that is more than happy to put together a 10 play drive and eat up half of a quarter as long as they can end up in the end zone. And when you've got Mike Evans, boy, it's uh, that's a pretty nice end zone target. I I will not be uh, sprinkling the money line with Bucks, but I'm just saying, but a field goal for touchdown Tom in the Super Bowl. Yeah, come on, come on now. In the story before we just saw it in New Orleans. No, oh, you know they got crushed by him. Didn't look even the same team. Went to New Orleans, won. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, MVP type level. Can't go into the cold weather again because he's living in Florida. Oh, my goodness, which I actually bought into that philosophy too. <laughs> but they go into Green Bay and they actually win the game. Like, they keep writing him off. I am not going to get burned again. In Tampa. They did them all on the – yeah, three straight road wins in the playoffs. 
last two of them uh, against Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And I was with you on the Packers because even not going against touchdown time, I was like Aaron Rodgers in cold weather. Like Aaron Rodgers in cold weather has a very good record, but can't count out touchdown time. Uh, anything else from the, uh, I guess, side or total? Tom, you staying away from the side? I'm staying away from the spread. No late, uh, any, maybe a live play? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Check the cover three group chat for, uh, for any updates uh, on, on what we're doing on the live. All right, well then now let's take it on into uh, the player props. I'll get this one started. I'm going under 21 and a half Patrick Mahomes rushing yards. Uh, and do y'all know what happened last year with Patrick Mahomes rushing yards? Yes, because I took it. I remember <laughs> what happened. Do I refresh my Was there kneel downs at the end of the game? Three what? kneel downs. He kneeled yeah. the ball three times uh, in near the end of the game. And that took him from like, uh, like 29 to 19 or something like that. It, it's those kneel downs, especially the shotgun kneel downs where, you know, we scamper back extra. Then we don't have the sack adjusted yardage, you know, cause the NFL doesn't mess with that like college does. So that, that you can't even take into consideration the fact that the bucks have a really good defense. Uh, but I, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes rushing yards under turf toe, is not playing as much of uh is not playing as much of a an angle into this for me as much as it is thinking about the fact that the Bucks have really really good linebackers in Devin White and Levante David. I think that their uh, secondary's done a good job. I think they keep contain. And uh, it just ends up being more of a dink and dunk sort of throw to the perimeter approach for the Chiefs against this Bucks uh, against this Bucks defense. So I will go Patrick Mahomes rushing yards under twenty one and a half. We Lot have a fight. Oh, oh, fight. oh, fight, 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 fight. I, I, in fact, I literally just submitted my answers to the uh, HQ segment that I'm going to do in about an hour over from the stadium where they said favorite Mahomes uh, prop. And I don't like the, the passing totals. I would probably lean the under, but I actually took over 21 and a half yards rushing. The philosophy being the turf toe is going to be numb. Like he's not going to feel his toes. Agreed. Right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's not a reason you shouldn't take it just right. from that. Right. Yes, but I also should. think, I think he's going to be scrambling. I do think they're going to struggle to protect him with the makeshift offensive line, but he's mobile. Like he does have a way to get around. And I, all it takes possibly is one scramble to get that. Like he's got that type of elusiveness, especially if they're playing man coverage, they turn their backs. He's got pretty good recognition of that. So I think he might be scrambling more than we think. And in a regular season game, maybe more inclined to throw it away or get down you're more inclined to get those extra yards to put your body a little bit more at risk because it is the Super Bowl. So I went over. Um, I'm 100% on the under because of the turf toe. <laughs> if we go back to the Buffalo, the AFC championship game, I took the under on it in that game because of the turf toe. Like that had, you know, it was like, they're like, yeah, his concussion's fine. We're worried about his toe. And turf toe is one of those things where it's like, there's no, real treatment for it other than not resting. And it takes, you know, three weeks or four weeks really for it to recover. Well, it hasn't been that long since he suffered the injury. And you saw in Buffalo, 
there were times where he got out of the pocket because Mahomes is a guy that does run a lot. Like there's plenty of games where he's rushing for at least 30 yards or more. But there were times against Buffalo where he had nothing but open space in front of him and he threw the ball. He could have run, but you could tell he did not want to. And the times that he did run, he was taking those short little choppy Kyler Murray kind of steps because you could tell that his toe was really bothering him. And you could tell when he was in the pocket, even when he wasn't trying to run, his mobility in the pocket was limited by the toe. And he says that it's close to 100%. And I think that it probably feels better now because, you know, they've had, they haven't been playing for the last two weeks, but I don't think it's healed yet. And I think that once you get out there and start playing, he's still going to be dealing with it. And I'm taking, you look at the two playoff games from when he first suffered the injury against Cleveland. And then in the last game against Buffalo in two games, Patrick Mahomes, who's averaging usually about 25 yards per game rushing has 19 yards total. That toe is bothering him. I am taking the under 21 and a half. All right. Any other, uh, Either, either player props, game props. Uh, I don't mess with the coin toss. I don't no. mess with the national anthem. Um, I, I've told Tom this before. Those uh, terrify me because then you're just, you've either won or lost at the very beginning of the, like the game hasn't even started and you're either like, no, you know, the, the potential for the disappointment that early in the viewing experience, at least get me to the end of the first quarter so I can see what my squares payout might be. Like at least get me like 15 minutes in before I've either won or lost. So uh, I, any, any other props it could be off the wall, could be MVP, anything like that. I have a couple more. First of all, the the coin flip is literally the absolute worst bet in sports because you know the odds. They're 50-50, and they juice them. So there's no way you could make money in the long run making the coin flip bet. But my, my other player prop is another quarterback rushing prop. It is the under half a yard for Tom Brady because Tom Brady, as we've discussed, he's 43 and despite all those memes that are saying Tom Brady looks younger now than he did when he was 25, like Tom was never mobile to begin with. He's never been a runner and he's less mobile now than he ever was. And if you just look at his numbers this year, we have to run the risk of there being like a QB sneak at some point. And that's really the only way he's going to yes. get rushing yards because they have played, <clears throat> they've played, you know, he's played 19 games. He's finished with zero yards or negative yards in 14 of the Buccaneers, 19 games this year. And he's actually finished more games with negative rushing yardage seven than he has with positive rushing yardage, which is five. So all the numbers indicate that Tom is not going to be running. And even when he does scramble, he's not going to be getting away from anybody because he's never been fast to begin with. I remember that one highlight of him juking Brian Urlacher out of his jock many years ago. And it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in a football field because A, it was Brian Urlacher he was doing it to, but B, nobody thought Tom Brady could do that. I don't even think Tom Brady knew he could do it as he was doing it, but he did it. So yeah, that's my other favorite. The hurry up fourth and one or the, that, you know, fourth down fourth and goal, like one yard sneak really is your only concern. And as long as you avoid those situations, I get what you're saying, but man, what a, what a life to live with half a yard as the under (laughs) one kneel down. Well, that's true. Hey, don't count out touchdown Tom. Maybe he's kneeling this thing out. Danny, you got any more? I got one for you. I got a fun one because I was looking at some of these props, uh, the kind of outside the uh, the sports spectrum. Uh, what will happen to the price of Bitcoin during the Super Bowl? Price of Bitcoin goes up at minus 150 or price of Bitcoin goes down at plus 110. 
I've been following Barrett Salee too much on here where he's just pumping and dumping that thing. So I'm going to say it goes up. I'm going to take the price of Bitcoin goes up during the Super Bowl, minus 150. Crypto Salee. (laughs) (laughs) He's out there just sucking and just chilling for Bitcoin. Barrett, the crypto Barrett all of a sudden out there on Twitter. Uh, I've got a couple MVP props if you want them. Yeah. One is Tom Brady two to one because the Buccaneers are plus 145 on the money line and odds are if they win he's probably going to win the MVP so two to one seems like excellent value but elsewhere I've got Travis Kelsey at 11 to one because if the Chiefs do win I mean Mahomes is more likely to win it I just don't like the price on it but if you look at the Buccaneers pass defense they have done a much better job limiting wide receivers than they have tight ends. Tight ends, while not being overly successful against the Tampa defense, have actually done pretty well. They do have nine touchdowns on the year. They do average more yards per attempt and all that kind of stuff. So I think Kelsey of the Chiefs receiving core is the likeliest to have the biggest game. But I also, here's my punt. I'm taking McCole Hardman at 80 to 1. Because you got to remember, like when it comes to the Super Bowl MVP, we're only dealing with one game sample size here. And it could be one or two plays. And McCole Hardman is the kind of guy that when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a threat to score. No matter where he is on the field or, you know, how many guys are in front of him, he can run away and pass everybody. Plus, he also contributes on special teams. So we have to throw in the factor that there might be a kick return or a punt return for a touchdown, which is something he's already done this year. So I think at 80 to one, if you want to just sprinkle a little bit on a McCall Harbin MVP, crazier things have happened. Well, that's the Desmond Howard play. Didn't Des mm-hmm. have a, a return touchdown when, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. When the Packers won Packers won the super bowl and, uh, and Des ended up being the MVP of that game. I, uh, I, Again, touchdown time at two to one. <laughs> Twist my arm, and uh, and yeah. I like that uh, the long shot on Miko Hardman as well. All right, well, enjoy it. You can watch it on CBS. Uh, all the streaming options are available through uh, CBS Sports app, cbssports.com. Make sure that you check it out. I imagine that you're going to. We're very excited about it as you are. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fennell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya.